My Get Up and Go on SAFM. Influential people doing well in their respective fields. It is at 19 minutes before 5 o'clock. Our Get Up and Go this morning is PLOJ Mufugeng. He's a publisher and founder of Gecko Publishing. He joins us on the line. A very good morning to you, PLO. Uh, hello, Kanye, how are you? I'm good. Am I saying it right? Pierre, hello. Is it PLO? How do you say it? It's PLO, yes, you're right. Perfect. PLO, you are a man that wears a number of hats. You're a publisher, you're a filmmaker, you're a writer, you do all these wonderful things. Tell us about your get up and go before we get into your life. What is your um, daily routine that gets you up and going every morning? Um. Oh, my word. So... My get-up is really uh, slow. I, I'm not a big early riser. I, I wake up pretty, pretty okay, not, not like at 3 o'clock, like, like a lot of our hard-working people, fortunately. <laughs> um, I don't eat breakfast. Um, and, yeah, I, I start by starting. I start with, most important work, and then I, I go to the slightly less important. Okay. Uh, Piala, let's talk about, um, you know, your life, your career. You also studied uh, film and you studied African language. Let's talk about, you know, just your love for uh, literature and language. Um, you know, I come from a very small town in Free State and there wasn't much to do, so... One of the things that I did uh, was to read. And my my father was a big reader. Every Sunday he would sit and, you know, with a Sunday time, a city press or something or something, or something like five newspapers. And he'd hand me one and say, yeah, you start with this one, you read me the story, you do that, you do that. So my reading starts from there. And then, you know, I graduated uh, high school in 96. Then I came to Vets, and I've been a Joburger ever since. It's been books, it's been poetry, uh, it's been studying, it's been shooting this or that. It's been really a uh, roller coaster, if you wish, up and down. And some successes, uh, quite a bit of loss, and, and all of that. You know, it's been quite enjoyable, yeah. Can I ask you to just move around for us, uh, Piello, just so we, we can hear you properly? You're just sounding a little bit muffled at the moment. Apologies for that. All right. Um, let's get into um, some of the work that you've, you've, you've been doing with Gecko Publishing. Uh, you started this uh, publishing house and you've published about 29, 21 uh, titles uh, so far, um, including the multi-award winning Sitswana novel, Chagi Mudisa. Tell us about your interest in publishing uh, work that's written in our own vernacular languages. You know, so a lot of people have said, why are you doing this? Uh, it's a loss of uh, cash where you're doing it for, and so on and so on. And my my first answer is always that somebody has to do it. A, a South African, a Black South African has to do it. Uh, if you don't do it, um, somebody else is going to do it, and then you're going to complain that white people are doing this for us again, and so on and so on. So, I think someone has to do it. It's not as uh, uh, profitable as it should be. Uh, we are not yet in a culture where 
black Africans are reading in their own language as much as they do. Um, and that is a problem, but it's, it's um, companies like Gecko that are trying at the very least to tackle that problem. Um, also, I, 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 I grew up on uh, a lot of mythology and folklore from my great-grandmother. I'm one of those people that grew up with two or three or four grandmothers around. So my great-grandmother was a master storyteller, and um, I've always been attracted to mythology, folklore, stories, African uh, folk tales from like when I was really small. So, um, And I think it's a, uh, academically it's a very big treasure trove of stories and narratives that remain largely unexplored, and it's, it's, it's our terrain. It's something that we really have to focus on and and produce work out of. So, yeah, my, my love for writing African languages stems from, from that, yeah. Mm. And you say that you're also an, uh, a serial entrepreneur, and in addition to the writing and the publishing, you've also been involved in film and TV production in terms of adapting some of your titles that you do publish. Tell us more about that. So, fortunately, I've worked for for productions such as Eastern, so it's by uh, Curious Culture and others. So it is that um, kind of skill that I want to take into into Gecko uh, and adapt some of the work that I've done into into films. And for, as far as I'm concerned, that is actually the future. You know, people are saying, "Why are you publishing all this work that you know doesn't sell tens and tens of thousands of copies? What are you going to do with it?" So I think the future is that we can. Um, use that content as a, a repository, as a bank of other kinds of narratives going into the future. And Philip is just one of them. So I'm really looking at multiple alternative uh, content forms and directions that books and, uh, you know, traditional or traditionally published uh, content can can take. So Philip is really just one of them. And uh, Sabata's book, Hagumadisa, won uh, MNET Literary Award for Film. So um, we, we are still working on that to get it into a film stage where we can actually shoot the book into a film. And I'm also a big scholar of Thomas Mofolo. I'm doing my master's degree now in film on Thomas Mofolo, who, uh, funny enough, wrote the first uh, novel in Sesotho in the 1800s. Mm. And I'm always surprised at the fact that there are no African, especially black African filmmakers who who go into this big repository of African language writing. And it's not just a sort of, you know, you get Mkai, you get Kunene, you get so many canonical works of uh, African literature in African languages. And I think as black filmmakers, we have failed to tap into that big repository of canonical work that we can make really amazing films out of. Mm. And and tell us more about, you know, some some of your um 
I would say inspiration. You're inspired by your own grandmother and the folklore and the storytelling and the oration that and the oration um, tradition that we come from as, as as Africans. For future generations, you know, you say that you you know that the work is not particularly uh, profitable, but you are leaving a legacy of sorts for people to have this work. I, you know, from a personal point of view, uh, I'm okay with legacy, but from an economical and business point of view, you really can't uh, eat your legacy, you know? So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, a, it's a very problematic um, ideal that I, I also grapple with, but it's, it's one that I'm happy to be, to be contributing towards because in the absence of uh, money, the absence of uh, profit and all of that, what else is there? You know, it's legacy. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy to leave that uh, behind, that whatever that is ready for to my children, to your children, to other people's children, and to leave them with words that they can look at and say, oh, you know, a black person has done this. So there is uh, much the same way as People like Thomas Mufulo, um, who wrote their first novel in the 1800s, that, that was completely groundbreaking. Mm. Um, to be a 30-something-year-old in early 2000, to actually publish books in African languages is, is something to be quite happy about, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd like to get to a point where I can balance this legacy with some kind of profitability, some kind of... Um, revenue generation and so on and so on. That's why I think it's it's only natural progression that one would look at uh, traditional publishing then other alternative forms of narratives such as films, such as comic books, such as what you can do online and so on and so on. So, yeah, um, I really believe that even as black people in a, a dicey economic situation like this, we still have to balance uh, our legacy with how are we going to live, how are we going to make sure that this content, these legacies that we are leaving behind, actually does benefit our children in more ways than one in the future. Mm, very, very important point there. And uh, Piolo, tell us about what leadership means to you. I mean, as somebody who owns a company that probably has people working with them, Piolo, are you still there? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. It sounded there like um, I lost you. What does leadership mean to you personally? Um, leadership is a number of things. So I think it's it's inspiring, but it's also being inspired. Um, it's self-inspiration, it's being inspired by others. And I think more importantly, it's also about um, the ability to rise above the doldrums of your, your nine-to-five, your normal nine-to-five kind of work. Um, and I think leadership is important in the sense that it's not just political leadership, and I, I know a lot of people tend to look at leadership in that way. They tend to look at it in, in in a way that seems to suggest that only certain people can lead certain types of companies, so a black person cannot be in charge of a publishing house, you can't be in charge of this and that and that and the other. So I think um, if you can lead yourself and lead yourself very well, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that is completely hands-off. I, I you know, allocate work and completely hands-off. You must manage yourself. Mm. 
because people can manage themselves. I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, uh, all whip and shambog behind people do this right now or otherwise, you know, experimental kind of uh, leadership, no. Um, but also I think leadership is about listening. Uh, a lot of leaders don't listen. We, we want to um, impose what we want on those that we lead, and I think that can be problematic. Leadership is also about, you know, leading by example. And some of us would lead from the front, some some would lead from behind. And I'm one of those that lead from behind because I truly do believe that people can do amazing things if they are offered an opportunity. Wonderful. And what's the next frontier for you? What, what are you doing next? So I'm working on uh, my... my MA film project, uh, and it is extremely challenging. Um, have you started uh, with your, your 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 MA? Yes, I have. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I have, and it is just so challenging. <laughs> um, I'm launching a book on uh, Sankomota. I know you do know Sankomota the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've written one book on Sankomota. I've published one book that is a biography by Sankomota Ben Lida's sister, Mpali Epa. It's called Born for Greatness, a biography of Frank Lepa. Um So I'm right now, I'm, I'm in that space. I'm what I call the Sankomota space, where I'm pushing really hard the legacy of Sankomota, their music, uh, where they come from, what we can do, what we can learn from them funny that everything that has happened to people like Frank Lieber in the past is actually happening now. Mm. Um, and uh, you see his prophecies in his music uh, in the 80s and that is still relevant even today. So that's that's what I'm working on. I'm, I'm really, really pushing hard on, on, on those books, you know. Wonderful. We we look forward to seeing more from you. Thank you so much, Piello, for, for joining us and all the best with all your future endeavors. And that is Piello J. Mufugeng. He is a publisher. He owns Gecko Publishing House. He is also pursuing his master's um, studies in film and television and also, um, you know, doing amazing work in uh, the literature space. It is seven minutes before five o'clock. Here's this new day.